and welcome back to another episode of Theater Theater Thoughts. Thoughts. I'm Ty Etherton. And I'm Kira Sweeney. Hey, and we're two former theater kids now turned forever theater adults. Whether we like it or not. Listen, it's not terminal. But it is a condition we live with every single day. Hey, we're talking about all things theater, education, and all things performing arts. So let's get into some theater Theater thoughts. thoughts. Um, I sound like a broken record here, but um, happy opening. Yeah. Another something. Another, another opening, another show. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, when we do shows in two weeks, it is weird to be like, wow, last time we recorded on opening, it was two weeks ago. Yeah. But now this one, how do you feel about this show? Good. Good. I mean, youth theater is just so cute and fun. Right. We'll talk about it at some like, point. Like, at... At the bare minimum, you're just like, I just want you to get a sense of what this is, and I want you to have a good experience doing well, it. Well, we have so many young kids that that's really yeah. what I think our work is being cut out for. We're getting our our work is cut out for us? Yeah. Yes. Our work is cut out for us because we're trying to give them, A, the what, 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 what we do. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Did you just hear that? What we do is rigorous mm-hmm. and also... Providing them a good first experience so that they come back. So they catch that little bug. Theater bug, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh, happy opening. Yeah. Proud They're, of you. Yeah, it's just cute. I mean, yeah. like, how could you not feel good watching a bunch of 13 to 5 and 6-year-olds Sing, let it go. singing Disney and just having a grand old time? Like, it's it's right. just joy. It's joy. pure joy. Even in the moments where they, like, pee their pants or, like, cry because someone called them a crybaby. It's still joyful i mean <laughs> that is what's happening today it was all about someone calling another person a stupid baby and yeah. we said listen there's he no goes, stupid you know babies. what kira you're a stupid baby. <laughs> yeah i literally looked at kira and i said listen you're a stupid baby <laughs> um speaking of happy another word for happy is gay meaning hi, hi gay, gay. <laughs> happy pride month this month at the butter shop, we are <laughs> sashing away with you. I feel like we have to put on that on the podgram because if, if you, you don't know seen the it, Meg if you don't Slater, know the acting choices, oh. the caliber, the <laughs> talent that is that video, where have you been? We love gay. We think, we think it's, it's cool. cool. Um, we're we talking do. Pride Month. <laughs> it's so funny. We like literally flipped the switch like five seconds ago. We were talking about literal children. And now, and we're, now like, we're like hi, right. and da, 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 the house da, 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 down. Um, because it's Pride Month. It is. We love Pride Month. Not only because I am a gay man, but also just because we're gagging for you, Girl, sis. We are gagging for you because it's getting hunty up in here. Fierce, Fierce work. Hunty. Um, we love anything gay we're avid uh drag fans mm-hmm. we have a drag show we just went to, we a, drag literally went to a drag night. show last night yeah. um and we're just living our <laughs> best lives um and so why not in tradition or in the celebratoriness of pride that um i have done quite a bit of research on yeah. lgbtq theater and theater history mm-hmm. um and so i'm very excited to share my wealth of knowledge well, and it's like only fitting because i think you know theater as an art was really built on the backs of queer artists and so Tea. it's so important for us to one educate ourselves and i'm very excited because i feel like as a straight cis woman like i want to be the best ally that i can be but also there's like certain things that i don't understand why right? does everyone keep talking about this alley girl oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is this Allie? who is alley Ally. Um, yeah. How many quotes can we drop <laughs> no. into one episode? For real. We'll just find them all. Um, um, but, I agree. I agree with you. But like, I, you I know, think you're a great ally, first and foremost. Yeah, I think but, you really are. But also, I think we have to recognize, um, you know, everything that they have done for this, you know, art and this, um, this community yeah and also that's what it is still continue to make spaces for them because i feel like we can do better right we've hit the ground i uh i love um uh, also something that we quickly briefly need to touch on of um between the last pod and this pod the tony awards happened yeah um which were fantastic and huge night huge night for queer, queer people black- Queer people of color. Yeah, Queer absolutely. Um, Ariana DeBois said it best, who was hosting, who yeah. also slayed. Yeah, slay my um, life for Miss Girl. She said that 
um the quote was like um we're we're doing good enough that we can say the phrase the great white way is more of a uh um a connection and not so much a how-to guide yes right we're really focused on creating spaces for people of color um we've like you said the lgbt community has been present since the dawn of history um in uh theater however there is always room to grow so i'm very excited to tell you what has happened yeah and then us to have a conversation about what's to come like i feel like i I'm very excited to take this deep dive because when I think about like LGBTQ theater, it's like rent. Yes. Or um <laughs> that's a strange like, loop. That's now, like the right? one that yeah. comes to my head, really. Yes. And I don't think that's the best re- Oh, Angels in America. Right. Right. That was kind of my once I got to college was like, oh, okay. So this is something right. that like has been explored in theater more, but like I was just too young or naive right. or whatever to And to those learn are big names and I'll talk about them, but there's so much before and there's so yeah. much after yeah. too. That's so I'm very excited because you, I got to take the mic a lot yeah. in the last episode Absolutely. and I'm very excited because now I get to kind of sit back and be the moderator. I found, we found the word, we, we found, found the word. It's moderator. <laughs> and, and kind of just get to learn and yeah. then, you know, ask you questions I'm and, so and excited. whatnot. I'm so excited. So um, let's jump into these theater thoughts with LGBTQ theater. Now I want to preface that I did research over a few days by no means does that make me an expert, and mm-hmm. I will absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, leave some important things out. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to first... That's right. what, exactly what we're here to do. We're absolutely. here to learn, to to grow, to, and, and to then, you know, make change from there. Right. Um, I got a lot of my research from a lot of uh, queer um, publications. Um, and also, uh, what's really cool is if you have a tiki-taki, um, Playbill is doing uh, awesome little snippets of queer uh theater history um throughout the i think they've done three out of the four episodes they're going to finish next week at the end of pride um and one thing that i like and what i want to preface here is um they say like we're only giving you a bite um but there's a whole feast Mm -hmm. that is up for you to explore so i completely hearken that and say like continue to do your research after you hear something interesting and what we have to say go for it but let's jump in okay um pre also i'm talking about really i'm talking about american theater is what i want is what i want to preface um if we i mean go back to our greek theater uh episode and we're talking you know and even shakespeare we're talking about men in drag because though it was sexist in nature because they were like women shouldn't play these roles right Mm -hmm. they still were men dressing up as women playing women yes sounds a little fruity to me (laughs) right so i mean you have that but we're jumping back to early 19th early 19th century to begin um and we're talking about the idea of um effeminate characters to start so you talked about last episode um about the black crook Mm -hmm. um the early um uh uh big productions uh like pirates of penzance Mm -hmm. and uh featured characters that are effeminate they are not gay Mm -hmm. but they are effeminate characters when i think of pirates of penzance you think of um the general Mm -hmm. modern major general very kooky funny effeminate his effeminate stature and his his characterization was humorous Mm -hmm. but it was a man being effeminate on stage, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. And then we get into the 1920s. Okay. Now, um, uh, this story begins with a um, famous actress and advocate, Mae West, who the only reason we know her is because of Alaska in Snatch, uh, Game. Snatch Game. When she was like, As- oh, why don't you come upstairs and see me sometime? Yeah. Oh, okay. She is a pioneer in LGBTQ history no and theater. Way. Very fascinating. So she's a playwright at this point. Really? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know any. Of I know, that. right? That's it's so, so cool. fascinating. So she's a playwright, um, but she's under the playwright named Jane Mast. She doesn't go by Mae West. Okay. She goes by Jane Mast to write these plays. Um, and she has been getting in trouble prior to the 1920s for some of her depictions of people in her plays interesting people that are a little bit more lewd there's a lot of sexual nature in it and there's also a lot of a, a homo 
eroticness in a lot of her plays. And so she's okay. getting arrested, put in jail, all these things. Wow. But um, her big thing was a play called The Drag. Okay, which we love. It's drag. exactly right. <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. It featured homosexuals and cross-dressing. Um, and it was a tale of a social problem play that argued for the sympathetic treatment of homosexuals. That okay. was what it was of like, let's talk about a gay man mm-hmm. because that's where we had to start. It, you know, screwed up, but that's where uh, we're stepping stone here. And it was a story about a gay man and the troubles that he got. And he was the victim in all of this. And, and audiences were supposed to feel sympathetic towards him. Okay. Okay. So she releases this in the 1920s. It does tryouts in New Jersey and Connecticut. Um, and people hate it. Sorry. White het males hate it. Okay. They, there's a quote that it was corrupting the morals of youth. Okay. Um, however, in New Jersey, right, sounds familiar. <laughs> in New Jersey and Connecticut, it was a giant hit. The out-of-town tryouts were netting thirty thousand dollars a night. Oh like my sold gosh. out crowds in the 1930s. Were, in the 1930s, in the 19, late 1920s. We're talking. I we're mean, still 1920s. in the depression, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That is buku buck. Yeah. Um, and so it's doing great. Um, critics are destroying the play all over they're saying this play is bad but you know we kind of have that narrative all the time of um if someone a specific group usually you know white heterosexual men mm-hmm. kind of hating on something mm-hmm. there's a sort of attraction to whatever that is well i want to see what they're hating on like what are they really hating oh and so yeah, yeah. so they were the controversy yeah. is like okay well i have to see it, it for was myself. right Right. And people were really liking it. So interesting. So after it's doing so well, they're like, why don't we bring it up to New York? So a theater takes it and they start previews. And the government of New York City is like, Miss Girl, no, we're not doing this. Right. They say the drag um, uh, is a terrible representation. And the governor of New York City at the time says to Mae West, if you bring this play to Broadway, we will scrutinize and censor every other show that's on Broadway right now. We're talking drinking. We're talking anything slightly sexual. We're, we will, we, if you do this, we will destroy the rest of Broadway. Right? How Screwed does up. that even make any I don't sense? Know. I don't even know. But they basically are like, no. So, so it never makes it to the great white way. The drag was censored and Mae West was arrested, obviously. Okay. She was arrested for promoting the lewdness of you know whatever right whatever you we can't say specific or i could probably look up specifically what she was arrested for but you know what she was arrested for yeah right? for, she was for the promiscuity right. of her work so, and the the story that she was trying so to here's push. what the yeah. screwed up thing that this play caused right this created the passage of new york city's 1927 padlock bill which prohibited homosexual subject matter on any broadway stage Okay. So the <laughs> Say pa- goodbye right. to like half the right. shows currently on Broadway. Right. Oh, if it was here, it would be done for. Um, and that spiraled into what a lot of people know, the Hayes Code of 1934, which banned homo- images of homosexuality on Hollywood screens. So, so that was like the precursor for yes. that. So, I mean, in the crappy way, like we have this play to thank for all of this censoring. But it was Mae West being a pioneer saying, no, I'm going to try to do this. Yeah, And, of course, they stop her, but not without so many people saying, you know what? This is kind of screwed up. Let's fix it. Okay? Um, and so censorship of gay themes in theater and in film was, like, the norm from the 1930s through the 1960s. That I was just about to span, ask, how long did that? span of, like, the 30s through the 60s, no. This was being censored left and right, left and right. But which makes sense because I, I mean, I don't know if I could name a lot of works from that time that were, you know, of that subject. You can't. No, absolutely. You can't. And so that brings us, you know, to don't stop. You know, let's not say that this didn't happen because anytime a queer person says you can't do this, they're going to find another way to do it. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. And. There's that precursor. When we come back, I'm going to get into what happens next. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Bye-bye.
Hey, we're back, 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 back again, giving you a taste of what's happening. I got more yes gods in the Vatican. <laughs> My name's Wes Edwards. I'm a champion. Miss Alyssa. Come on, pull that. Here. Okay. Pull that Pride. verse out. Miss uh, Alyssa. Her show was so good. Yeah, we also saw her, which uh, last week. She was fantastic. Okay, so theater is censored. Okay. However, there were people that were still, there were playwrights that were still writing stories about gay men, right? Mm -hmm. um, during these decades, there's a few notable playwrights, okay? Robert Anderson, Lillian Hellman, and Tennessee Williams, yeah, who were writing okay. gay closet cases. It was tragic closet cases. One of the best examples that we talk about. Well, um, it's not confirmed, but Tennessee it's not Williams confirmed. Was, was gay. Yeah, gay. absolutely. We can, we can. Read between the lines. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, two of his greatest works being um, The Glass Menagerie. Mm -hmm. There's talk that. Um, yes, I have heard this theory before. That the lead protagonist in that character, or in that Tom? show, Tom. I believe it's Tom. I think it's Tom. The daughter had a lot of mental. Yes. Problems. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, oh my gosh, I'm about to be the worst leader thought ever. I am going to go out on a limb here and say a cat on a hot tin roof was also Tennessee yes. Williams. And that it is. is speculated it is. that Brick, yes. I think his name is Brick, yes. is gay. Yes. Because he's having such problems with his wife. Yes. And and that is a, is a, a commentary that people can have discussions about mm -hmm. analyzing that play. So these people are writing about tragic closet cases. And it's a way that the queer community is saying, hey, we're making really good plays. Oh, you can't get mad at us because we never said that they were gay. Yeah. We never said whatsoever, but I believe they were doing that. So the 1960s. Yeah, finding a way to yes. like keep that representation right. without actually explicitly And that goes from the late 20s into the well, 60s. Well, because it's not like those people didn't exist during that 30-year right. period. They were still there. They were still writing. They were still right. existing, but not in the way that they maybe they wanted to. Selves, but, but they were. They were they were yeah. fitting into the box absolutely. and trying to figure out a way to stay relevant. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you get into the 1960s, and I want to talk about a great playwright named Lanford Wilson. So he wrote a one-act play that appeared at a place called the Cafe Sino. And I want to talk real quick about the Cafe that Sino. That's a sick name. Right? Hey, I'm um, going to the Cafe Sino. Cafe Sino, right? Um, and this play was called The Madness of Lady Bright. And so real quick, talking about the Cafe um, Sino, it was a coffee house, like beatnik poetry, opened by a guy named Joe Sino, um, who opened it on Cornelia Street see, in Greenwich Village. I can which just is see now, the smoke yes. in the air. Oh, it's <laughs> I foggy. can like literally like feel it and see yes. it. Yes. So Greenwich Village, New York. Greenwich Village, New York, which Warwick. currently and has been throughout history a very gay neighborhood in yeah. New York City. So you have a lot of people living there. Um, and he opened it up in 1958, creating the space where theater artists could develop their individual voices and form a community. Okay? In an interview um, with Doric Wilson, who is his uh, granddaughter. Okay, cool. Um, uh, uh, or grandson. Sorry. Sorry. Didn't want to misgender. Doric <laughs> Wilson. Grandson. Grandson. Um, he said that um, none of us were really aware at the Sino at the time um that we were that th that we were his talking about his family was in the process of making history because it was tucked away in the hustle and bustle of greenwich village um and it was an out of way it was out of way enough to feel like a private sanctuary but accessible enough for urban aud audiences to find it so people are presenting their art at this place the That's cafe awesome Cena. Um, a little bit on what it looked like. The Sino resembled a converted living room decorated for a very festive occasion. Its walls were encrusted with glitter and spangles, strung with flapping photographs, flickering Christmas lights, and twinkling wind chimes with a shiny jukebox in the corner. The decor evoked the inside of a grandmother's jewelry box or perhaps a private's treasure, treasure chest. Sino wanted his cafe to be a magic box that would feel like home, but simultaneously conjure a sense of childlike fantasy play and nostalgia that sounds amazing right i know i was like let's go i'm sure it's still open um if it is we'll post it on the podgram of like what it looks like now and cool. what it's doing um emerging playwrights that were there okay some ones that are more um i don't know a ton about um maria forney's william hoffman robert patrick and sam shepherd mm -hmm. um were some um that wrote there okay Josino 
um, would say, it's magic time before announcing a show in his warm Italian-American accent, casting the theater as a space in which idealism, sleight of hand, and transformation could reign. Okay, so back to um, getting back to Lanford Wilson and the madness of Lady Bright, which opened in 1964. Okay, he brought it up at a time when uh, LGBT people were essentially invisible. This is 1964, not five years later is the Stonewall riots right down the street. Um, And this show, um, The Madness of Lady Bright, um, is about a drag queen's commandeering um, and the height of improbability of time. So basically what it is, is Lady Bright is in her claustrophobic apartment, a drag queen, um, and at first she seems to resemble earlier stock gay sidekicks, okay? The sassy gay this person, the mean villainous gay person that was starting to write. Um, but Leslie Bright is different from them in three important ways. First, she's fully conscious of her sexuality and gender identity and makes it well known to audiences. So there's like history in the making there. It is a character saying, I am gay, mm-hmm. I am queer, I am dressing up in women's clothing for uh creative as a creative outlet okay Mm -hmm. um and she attempts to neither hide it nor run from it second she doesn't automatically come to a bad end and the play is written from her point of view so that's the big thing is it wasn't a sidekick character this is the protagonist in this story the main character the main character awesome um we can't say for certain if it's the first gay character but definitely the first gay person to be detict- depicted as a human rather than like a deviant or a villain or, or a sidekick. Cool. So we're seeing an authentic gay person talking about their feelings on stage and talking about their struggles on stage in 1964. Yeah, that's amazing. Which is cool, but also I was like, that's not that long ago. No, not In the at span all. of theater? Yeah. You're kidding me. Um, And so that's 1964. We're seeing a lot of um positive uh things from that because it's at the cafe sino it doesn't necessarily hold the same like um uh anger that um may west's 30 years ago held trying to get on broadway right broadway was still a sacred safe place for the heterosexual men that wanted to protect it and keep it as that the cafe sino was already an outcast place so mm-hmm. they were like okay do whatever you know, hoity-toity art you want to do there. But they were really doing something big. Um, and that propelled the 1968 play, Boys in the Band. Okay, yes. Right? Which, um, Great fantastic. Great adaptation. Right. The, uh, the revival, um, and that then basically was, the revival became the movie adaptation that just came out a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. Um, which is great, which featured nine men, all struggling with problems within their own sexuality um, and mm-hmm. also focused on intersectionality between race, relationships, career, and more. Mm-hmm. So that was huge. Yeah. Cannot recommend that enough. Yes. That was Boys a, in the Band is fantastic. A really great just piece of theater. Well, I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a movie, but right. it, was, it was a piece of theater. Um, but I learned a lot. Right. And, and I, so, I never heard of it until right. the revival. Right. Because I think it was a lot of, of hush. But you're talking about Lancer, or Lanford Wilson's uh, Madness of Lady Bright and Boys in the Band propelling plays to be uh, a, a safe space for authentic queer characters talking about their problems. And after that time, I mean, you have 1969 with the Stonewall Riots mm-hmm. um, and the gay liberation movement. These could not have come at a more perfect time to say, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. And like, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so that goes, that that spirals a bunch of different other plays. So I want to hit some notable plays featuring gay characters and gay themes. Okay, awesome. okay. Bent by Martin Sherman, which is about gay men in Nazi Germany. Wow. Um, and that is where we see, um, that came out in the early 70s. One of the big things about that is um, the gay men in Nazi Germany um, wore a pink triangle. Yes. And that became a staple during the gay liberation movement on signs, posters, t-shirts, flags, things like that, that pink triangle. And that, that comes from Martin Sherman's I'd bent. really like yeah. to read or yes. see that show. That sounds so interesting. Um, uh, a uh, The next show in the early 70s, um, Torch Song Trilogy, which is about gay men's relationships with their um, partners, with mothers, with family members, with uh, straight men, um, written by 
a pioneer who we know well, say, I think Harvey Firestein. That's it, how yes. I've heard it before. Yes. Like I've heard this piece. Oh, you're gonna hear his name. Before. He is a pioneer in the LGBT theater I growth. Could not love yes. him more. <laughs> um, that won two Tony Awards, Amazing. and we're now starting to see queer theater. Wait, so move was it a Broadway. trilogy, or yes. was it just called? It was that? three men. It wasn't a trilogy okay. play. It was three men in the show. Okay, talking cool. about that. I just um, last summer at the Bluefish Cove which is um, about a woman who gets a divorce and she moves to a place called Bluefish Cove. Turn Bluefish Cove turns out to be a lesbian gra- stomping ground. Um, and she develops really awesome, amazing relationships as a straight woman with lesbian women, Word. which is very cool. That's by Jane Chambers. Um, other big ones, Safe Sex, which is about the HIV AIDS crisis towards the late 70s by Harvey Firestein. One of my favorite shows, The Normal Heart by Larry Kramer, has a great revival and a great movie adaptation that features... Um, uh, who he's hot and he Mark Ruffalo. Um, and oh, I, I think, didn't even know it had a movie adaptation. Yes, it's I'd Mark Ruffalo. Um, and I don't want to say Jennifer Garner. Some big wig woman is in that. Uh, um, jump back to that. Um, Love Valor and Compassion by Terrence McNally, another staple. Um, our uh older friend Barb just told me about how she went to New York back in the 80s and saw love valor and compassion and it was really cool because it also featured a lot of nudity on stage um and you're talking about gay men nude on stage was also something of that time did you find who was julia roberts julia roberts okay i was close matt bomer yeah. and jim parsons were also right. in it though iconic oh only 2014 that was not that long no ago. not at all um other big ones angels in america obviously yes was a game changer yeah. in um the uh gay liberation um in uh theater mm-hmm. right uh another show called casa Val- valentina which is a boys trip to new york city um where they go to a play in like fire island which is a very gay area in new york um and they just dress up as women and live their like flamboyant lives okay slay. um and, and then you have mo- a multitude of other gay characters um but then the last one that i wanted to like cap it was of course um Ter- terrell alvin mccraney's choir boy yeah and and featuring um gay voices in there so that's straight plays gay plays but straight plays <laughs> um not musical theater um with queer with identifying queer characters characters queer themes queer and that's stories. kind of the beginning of the history there okay Cool. So now let's jump into our favorite thing, Broadway musicals. So we see Madness of Lady Bright at the end of the 1960s as finally an authentic gay character in an authentically gay play is starting to happen. Okay. We have the Stonewall Riots in, on June 28th, 1969. Multiple days shifted the needle forward. Um, they were police raids and the gay and trans patrons fought back um, saying we aren't going to put up with this anymore. Yeah. So if we, you don't know what Stonewall yeah. is, you can do... Well, you know, we don't need to recite back the history, but it is incredibly important. And if you want to know more about, you know, that gay liberation movement, uh, that's the easiest easy place to, to start. Yes, Stonewall. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the winter of 1969, um, which. Uh, so that was like shortly thereafter. Shortly, shortly. The yes. Stonewall December, riots. November, December. OK. Um, Catherine Hepburn was on Broadway for one time only in a Broadway show called Coco about Coco Chanel. Um, and it explored her comeback in the 1950s, exploring her life and legacy. Okay, something really cool is there was a character that was Coco's best friend named Sebastian Bay, played by Renee Aubergenoy. I don't, I'm probably screwed up that last name. Um, but he also fell into the trope of like the nasty gay villain that fought with Coco Chanel. Mm. But he was authentically gay on stage, dressed gay, acted gay, was portrayed as a gay so man. So this is a musical? It's a musical called about, Coco. About Coco Chanel? Yeah. Work. Absolutely. Um, the really cool thing about this is Renee Abagenoy, who was also gay identifying in 1969, yeah. who played Sebastian Bay, won the Tony Award for his performance. So in this musical. So That's very amazing. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, you have uh, uh, a, a twin musical, which um, is... They do similar things. It's like, oh, you saw this, and now it's something kind of similar. Um, okay. Lauren Bacall, um, who was famous actress in um, that time, in the winter of 1970, so earlier in that spring, um, she starred in Applause, which is based off of uh, a poem called Wisdom of Eve, which then a movie in that time called All About Eve became 
um, very famous. So applause. Um, and there's an entire musical number set in a gay bar in Greenwich Village, which cool. is very cool. Um, and um, she is down on herself because of something that happens in the play. So she goes to, it's very legally blonde. She goes to a hair salon um, and Leroy Realms played by Dwayne Fox um, became this charming hairdresser who helped get her her confidence back. Um, and then she goes and is able to prove herself and, and make it all about. So again, having a redeemable queer person, a redeemable gay man on stage was huge because he was such a plot point in shifting the protagonist. Well, and confidence. such a positive, yeah, yes. such a positive influence on that show and that character. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 1973, Tommy Toon takes home the Tony Award for David in Seesaw. Tommy Toon was a very, a very flamboyant, openly gay person. So this was us casting an openly gay person in an openly gay role cool. um, and becoming kind of like the headliner for it. It was like, see Tommy Toon in Seesaw um, because he needs to be, right? And then we're getting to stuff that's familiar to you. 1975, a chorus line opens. And there are multiple gay characters in yes. that show, specifically Paul. Um, and what's really interesting about a chorus line is mm -hmm. Paul really in his song and in his dialogue um, is uh, has a lot of complexity and humanity. Yes. And that's where um, we were really focused on that. Now, keep in mind, all of these characters are white gay men. Okay. Right. All of these characters, white gay men. But again, we're... We're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. And and when we come back, I'll talk about the notable musicals, and then we'll kind of talk into um, what we can do now moving forward with all of this knowledge, all of this history, seeing where we were, where we've become, As... and now how can we move even farther yeah, further. We'll be awesome. right back. three the sequel um you have a comment that you want to make oh no i just as you were talking and i kept hearing myself respond i just kept thinking i mean it's something that i've always known but like hearing myself back and especially talking about this you know community and their representation so much of my vocabulary comes from the queer community right and i just had to be like you know i just had to take a moment to think about that and like what that means right things like work and yeah slay. things like work and slay and then you know at uh camp the other day i said something looked sickening and all the kids were like oh my gosh miss kira like we look bad and i was like no, no it was great sickening's a good thing right right and they were like are, are you sure and i was like absolutely it's sickening right and they just didn't understand but that's because they didn't they don't know the vocabulary they don't know you know where those words come from well and we also and I have just to be think i have to give that right you know, we have to be mindful that we're not just talking about the queer community but a lot of that language and that rhetoric comes from the queer community of color, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, taking a sidetrack real quick, um, things like a Paris is Burning, things like Pose, shows like that are absolutely staples. If you are someone who is interested in the LGBT history, right? Right now, because we, had a, we have a long way to go in the theater world um, and we're getting there, um, but there's still a lot of progress, right? What I'm talking about historically right now is a lot of white queer people, mm -hmm. a lot of white gay men yes. focusing on this. That's not to be said that there wasn't work being done. No, with underground, underground. In, in the ballroom yes. culture, which oh. is, is so many, um, you know, queer uh, artists of color and people of yes. color um, who were, you know, creating this community, this yes. life. Um and a lot of that has given birth to other, you know, avenues of art. Like, yes. you know, drag has has stems in yes, in the ballroom, ballroom culture and community. Yep. Um, and a lot of that culture then yes. has, you know, influence pageantry in, in of the that theater time. community and, and all of that. Like, there's so much crossover, but, you know, you really have to take the time to, you know, re rewind and educate yourself on where these things come right. from and, and, you know, why right. now. We, and that we have and, things like right. legendary and that or right. you know yeah. we it have, comes from thing of knowing the past so you can appreciate the present 
Yeah. Right. And also Bullying. know where like your your vocabulary right. and your whatever else comes from. Right. And and acknowledging that it comes from yes. these people. Absolutely. Very cool. So notable musicals featuring gay curves or gay themes. A lot more names that a lot of people know. You'll know. Cool. Um, things like that. Um, we get a lot. Chorus line really hit the home run. Um, where it was so successful because of the dancing, because of a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it also featured gay characters, and so other musicals were like, we can focus on this. Um, musicals like Hair in the 1980s featured a lot of characters, um, a lot of gay military characters, which was very fascinating, especially at the time when the military, you know, we had just come out of the Vietnam War, a very masculine type of thing to really focus on. Hey, because there was a draft, you were also drafting gay men into this so so there's a culture there's a there's a community of these military people that also you're you're not equating with you know that you're not including gay active military people so hair does a lot of a lot of good job hair does a good job at acknowledging a lot of that um victor victoria which starred julie andrews Mm -hmm. in 1982 she was a gay parisian that was interested in uh performing drag as a gender commentary on being able to get a lot more as a man than a woman at that time but still nonetheless fascinating um, harvey firestein broke out of um plays into musicals with la caja fall which we've talked very briefly on um which inspired the movie the birdcage la caja fall is still performed all over the world Mm -hmm. um to this day which features authentic gay uh audiences 1992 has falsettos by william finn and james lapine um james lapine helped write the lyrics for into the woods um a sondheim show so um and that that follows both gay and lesbian characters um, and how they have families and how they experience relationships and how they are very similar to heterosexual relationships. (laughs) Um, Shocker. Right. Because they're just normal (laughs) people. Okay. 1996, Jonathan Larson's Rent completely propelled um, the idea of uh, a gaze in spaces um, and the problems that they go through, Mm -hmm. um, which definitely that being one of the most well-known um, is great to say, great, focus on Rent and focus on the great things about Rent. Both you and I love Rent, but also around that time, Jonathan Larson was definitely centered and and around the gay community. You can see that in Tick, Tick, Boom, um, which is a autobiograph- autobiographical musical about his life mm-hmm. that features yeah, the it's gay so interesting. I remember him. I always just assumed he was gay. No, he was like, just... I- I literally always just, just assumed that about him. But yeah, like you said, he existed in so many of those spaces and I think wanted to tell the authentic stories of those he loved and knew right. that it just naturally happened that right. way. Even though he himself was not a part of that community, he felt like those were the stories he needed to tell. Right. Um, honorable mention, Full Monty in 2000. I, yeah. Which, which doesn't necessarily feature like a ton about gay but there's men, a couple of but characters. It's the idea of being flamboyant as yeah. a man and how that's acceptable and okay and like a good time like yeah. you're still able to appreciate a man for himself even though he may is a little bit more effeminate a little bit more fruity yeah right um other big ones going through kinky boots fun home which features um a lesbian father and a a gay father and a lesbian daughter yeah um hometown hero beth malone who is an active lesbian pioneer unc Um, alum yeah uh hedwig and the angry itch uh if then features gay characters boy from oz um which is about an australian boy um discovering who he is um and and things that surround that um bear a lot of our younger a lot of younger people know this uh pop opera bear about I... <laughs> gays in like a catholic school yes you said bear and i went to like the animal and was like i've never heard of this show and then you Gay, you, but... said, you said it again and i was like oh yeah, yeah okay yes um and then as we get become a little bit more um modern head over heels which featured peppermint a trans um actor playing a role um or originating a role um everybody's talking about jamie Mm-hmm. Um, the prom, and that takes us all the way to last week, the winner of best musical, A Strange Loop, featuring a queer black man writing a play about a queer black man With writing a play about a, a whole queer black ensemble man. of yes. queer black artists. artists. Yes. Yeah. So, so we're doing a lot. 
And another UNC alum in that one too. Right, absolutely. Uh, Jason game, Barley, or I forget his his last name. Um, yes. Um, so that kind of is a very brief understanding of where we were and where we got to here in American theater um, over the last hundred years or so. Um, and so the question I want to focus on um, is like, great. Now that we have an understanding of what our history is and where we can see this, how do we become advocates in whatever role, producer, educator, director, choreographer, cast member, or just a lover of theater? Mm -hmm. and, and how do we create that space? And I think that's really important. So I'd love to get your opinion on what does that mean for you of how can you be an advocate for queer or LGBTQ um, art and mm -hmm. content, but not only that, but how do you become an advocate for LGBTQ artists in this, whatever yeah. age they are? Yeah. It always just makes me think about, you know, uh, being myself in, you know, the educational setting as a student and, and realizing how much of a safe space that was for me. Yes. But now as, as a teacher, and even then as a student seeing my peers, but now as a teacher, knowing that our space and the thing we do is incredibly important because it is such a safe space yes. for those young LGBTQ students or anyone who's really struggling with their identity or wants a place to express that or or, you know, experiment or whatever it is. Um, just, you know, seeing that and, and really thinking about, you know, how am I able to provide that best safe space? And well, how can I be there unconditionally and as supportive as I can be? And it can sometimes be so subtle. I think of, you know, I really like Tom's shoes, like pride designs, like their pride series, yeah. which just has like a small, simple rainbow. But I like the fact that they're white shoes you know, and they feel good when they're yeah. on my feet, but like going to school in those and a kid being like, Oh my gosh, Mr. Everton, I love your shoes. And I'm like, thanks. Like, <laughs> like it's yeah. that simple thing of me living my authentic self. You, you know, providing a safe space. You've talked about one of your queer students, just having a space to be authentically themselves and you providing that, attention in a positive way of like okay shut you know shut that down you're being too crazy you're being too out there you're being too <laughs> like you you acknowledge that and yeah. that's huge yeah i think that's huge yeah you have to give them that space to to be and sometimes it's you know you know that you knew them one year as so and so and then they right. come back the next year and they're they've chopped all their hair and they tell you they want to go buy something else and you just say okay right absolutely yeah. Right. And That's you, who you are. You experience that. And, and so many people, you know, as we as we really in such a wonderful way, we get to see um, kids younger and younger themselves. kids coming to themselves. Yeah. And by allowing the opportunity that we've created enough of a space space, safe space for them to mm -hmm. come up to us and say, hey, I know you've known me as this, but I want to go as this. And you say, OK. And then you, you know, both of us. You know, it's not an easy thing to do of once you've known someone for a while to change their pronouns or change the name you call them. But when you do, you see you see the effect it has on them. And I think we've had now, you know, I, I am thinking of one individual that we've had for multiple years um, as they've started to come into the, you know, come into their authentic self. The fact that yeah, of course, I don't see this individual. I don't see you as anything different. Mm -hmm. You are absolutely this person. Yes. You were that person before, but you were so much more confident, so much more yes. there to be yourself. And, and and we see it every year where we have kids come back year after year and say, oh, this is who I want to be, or this is who I am, and this is how I want to show myself to the world. And it's very cool. It's super cool. And the best thing you can be as is a, as a teacher, as an educator, as an ally, as whatever you want to call yourself to that student or whoever it is, as that, that artist, even if it's a colleague of yours, right, is to be as a support system. And also, like you said, give them that space to be their authentic self yes. and then also have the relationship with them to say, hey, we're being a little too much. 
right. got to pull it back. Right. And like, you're not I want to give you that yes. space for you to, you know, right. death you, drop around yes. the place or whatever it is. Yeah. But also, you know, we right. we know what we can pull out of you and, and how we can get you to give that best performance. Right. right. Um, and it's something as easy, you know, something that we haven't touched on is that a lot of um, theater works are written in a binary system and we'll, yes. and we'll get, we'll get to that point. I can't wait to see what the next five, 10, 15, 20, 50 years yeah. looks like in which we have a lot of characters that aren't in the binary. Absolutely. Well, and it's, it's not like people who ex- exist outside of the binary haven't existed. It's just very much right. more pre- uh, prevalent. And we, uh, as a collective community of humans are starting to become more, uh, educated on that yes. and accepting of that. Yes. And like, I, yeah, like you said, I'm very excited to see what the next, you know, decade of theater has in store for continuing to create a space for the LGBTQ community. And also now those members of that community that identify as non-binary. Right. But or... you did a great job. I'm specifically thinking on our production of Mama Mia and how you were like, okay, so this is the guys chorus. They come in for this song. So and you you made it very specific that you were like okay male identifier male anyone who's male, male identifying, identifying um or wants to be male identifying in this moment okay come up on stage and learn this part and so we had plenty of kids up there living their authentic self and then okay great any female identifying um people you come up here yeah. for this part we, we're even trying those, even those tiny moments because like you were saying uh i don't think we've said it yet but we i know we we're talking about it a couple of days ago where in the educational theater setting it's harder to tackle those issues yes uh or be more you know forthcoming with those issues Right. Um, yes. But it's the little things we can do. Yes. Right. Like uh, acknowledging that there are students who may want to be in another right. traditional chorus. Right. Uh, giving those male identifying students a place to, to be that. But also something as simple as having a same sex couple in the background right. of a scene or, you know, anything you can do. Little things. It doesn't have to be we're putting on a production of Kinky Boots. I would love for it to be. a yes. We're putting on a production of Kinky Boots. Right. But. You have to understand, you know, sometimes and what even that... if you don't see it on stage, hey, this is the boys' dressing room, this is a girls' dressing room. And then if you don't identify as either or you're not comfortable in one of those, here's another here's space a for space you. for you to yeah. to be comfortable Absolutely. because I'm not going to make you uncomfortable or choose mm-hmm. or do any of that. Well, you know. And going back to that idea of, of the non-binary, there are plenty of roles I think that we can start to explore that idea, yes. right? You, we were talking about Susicle earlier and how right. they're all animals. Yeah, I was about to say, you like, can't, <laughs> right. And younger kids, you know, sometimes a hard time where they're like, well, why did you cast Horton as a girl? I'm like, well, it's, well, it's an elephant. elephant so. You're not a real elephant. So yeah. why does it matter? Yeah. Right. And then you said, I would love for Maisie to, to be, be this flamboyant male. male. I think that yeah. would be fabulous. Right. Absolutely. And create, create opportunity there, I think is a really awesome place to start small and start, Mm -hmm. you know, young, we, you know, we like, like you said is, is at the educational, in the educational system, you know, you have a response, your, your stakeholders are first and foremost, your students, but you also have to keep in mind your larger, your larger school community, the parents and the administration and, and all of that. And so we play, you know, a tricky battle of being able to create those spaces. And, and you're right. It's little things Mm -hmm. that, that, yeah. And it's it's making the effort to do the little things, right? How can we be the best ally? How can we be the best supporter for those students? Yeah. Giving them those little moments. Right. Same with, um, I think as, as colleagues, right, um, being advocates and, and support systems for our um, LGBTQ identifying artists who are yes. working with. Yes. Um, and also, um, you know, continuing to educate ourselves, right? Like we've talked about, there's a lot of like little, I think, nuggets of information or things that we've given you in this podcast alone that you could start to do more research and, and more um uh, you know, get a better understanding right. from, but there, this is like you said earlier at the beginning of the episode, this is only just like a starting point, right? right? If you want to know more, go out there, get the information because that's um, what we're doing. Yeah. We're constantly uh, researching, evolving, understanding, and more than anything, 
anything, anything, anything. If you are an artist in any regard of this beautiful, beautiful community, you need to listen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely listen to stories and listen to ideas and and ways to make that safe community for all. Mm -hmm. Because bottom line, you know, there's many people that are like, well, how do you make this work? That seems so difficult to have to be thinking about all of that. And you're like, it's not. Just listen to what those specific people want Mm -hmm. and realize that it's not difficult to do mm-hmm. do that to make them enjoy theater the way both of us have well and as a theater patron it's the same thing yeah. you can do go out and see those stories yes and and support that art and i know we've said it like jokingly but like genuinely happy pride to you yes. like it's so cool to have you know so many people in my life yes. who get to live their like real Absolutely. true authentic life so okay. as we have a week or so left of pride month yeah. really do do the work. Do the work and and enjoy the work. Yes. Because it's something enjoyable and something fascinating and something cool. And and I know, you know, I speak. It's a crazy, beautiful, colorful right, place. I speak for, you know, I'm speaking for Kira, but I think it's pretty cool the fact that we're releasing this episode where we definitely get to be part of that work of just you listening to this and understanding this a little bit more sets, you know, a, a groundwork for more to do yeah so I, love it. I mean this is definitely not a conversation that's over like no it's it has to be something yeah. that's ongoing and um just, we'll talk more i'm excited to see people yeah. just celebrate them and their community yeah. and you know being being yeah like you said earlier queer what, what, what did you say earlier we're here you, we're queer get used to it, it. Used to a little also like shrek reference too right <laughs> i love it uh, um hey if you like this podcast, we want to hear from you. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, and DM us or write a review. Okay. We'll read yeah. your review like right here, live on the pod. Um, <laughs> if it's a, a good one. Scary. If it's a good one. <laughs> um, uh, definitely let us know how we're doing, what we can do better, yes. and and what what you'd like to hear. You can yeah. always DM us on our theater podcast Instagram. Mm-hmm. At theater podcast, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. The thing, not the place podcast and to all of our lgbtq um listeners out there we see you we love you we support you and we genuinely could not do this right. without you so go go get your pride yeah and then in july come back for another wonderful amazing fantastic episode of theater, theater thought. thought goodbye happy Bye. pride Bye.